the sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, for July twenty fifth, 2010. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God, through which the Holy Spirit comforts our hearts with the gospel of Jesus, is the first three verses of the second lesson, Colossians 1, verses 21 through 23. And as for you, who were once alienated and enemies by your attitude in all your wicked works, he has now reconciled you in the body of his flesh through his death to present you as holy spotless and unaccused before him, if indeed you continue to remain in faith, established and firm, not being moved away from the gospel's hope, that gospel which you have heard, which has been preached to all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, Fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. What is the difference between the Hutu and the Tutsi? They are both Central African ethnic groups, but they have very similar physical appearances. They speak the same languages and share the same culture. Both groups are overwhelmingly Christian, predominantly Roman Catholic, and they often intermarry with one another. And yet, despite all these similarities, those similarities could not keep the bloodshed and war between these two groups from erupting into the Rwanda genocide. Over 800,000 were killed in 100 days in Rwanda, beginning in April, on April 6, 1994. And even though a decade and a half has passed since that time, they are far from a complete reconciliation. In, in order to try, to try to bring about reconciliation, there have been different courts of justice set up. Because in order to have reconciliation, you need justice to be satisfied. And, and so you have the International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda. They deal with the high leaders and the worst offenders, but only 24 have been convicted over the past 15 years. More trials are yet to come. The vast majority, the, the tens of thousands who have been accused, go before what are called the Gakaka Courts, a system of local justice. And these were set up in the hope of, of achieving some sort of reconciliation because in these courts, the victims and the community can have a say. And the accused is encouraged to make a full confession and get it off, uh, make a clean slate, get it off his chest in exchange for a lighter sentence. But even these courts have not brought about the reconciliation they aimed for. And so it is among human beings who can be so similar, and yet such hostility, such trouble in reconciling can so easily happen. And if you think of our own national history, we're not all that much different, are we? 
Think of some of the wars we have fought against those who were so similar to us. Two wars against Great Britain, our mother country. A civil war with brother against brother. Two world wars against Germany, the nationality from which more Americans trace their ancestry than from any other. And so, dear friends, if people who are so similar can have such hostility against each other, how much more so between those who are vastly different from one another? And that, that is the situation that was between us and God. We were so vastly different than he is so totally alien, totally other than God. He is light, we were darkness. He is good, we were evil. He is love, we were hateful. He is giving, we were selfish. He is life, we were death. He is holy, we were sinners. How could there ever be any kind of reconciliation? And Paul reminds us, doesn't he? He teaches us just how alien we were from God as he writes here, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. From the inside out, we were opposed to God. Yes, our, our mind, heart, soul, attitude, disposition, will, our inner being was opposed to Him. We strove to make our own version of a God and set up our own standard of right and wrong. We sought to create our own happiness and establish our own security. We claimed that we were our own masters, free, free to do as we saw fit, crediting ourselves with successes and blaming even God for any kind of disappointments. And even as new creations, we still have this old self, this inborn, natural self, hard at work that shows us just how alienated from God we once were. For you see, for example, when we hear God's law tell us to be perfect, to love our enemies, to place God first, our inborn self tempts us to think, oh, that's not fair. I don't agree with that. That won't work. But those very thoughts and feelings just prove how alienated from God we once were and still would be if he did not intervene. And since our inner being, our, our mind and, and heart were hostile to God, enemies against God. That meant that all of our actions, no matter how good and beneficial they appear to others, all of our actions were wicked in God's sight. Our entire behavior was evil. Like water from a contaminated well, so all of our actions flowing from our hostile heart and mind were polluted. They brought us death and hell. As Paul teaches us, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, how severe our alienation from God was. How could there be any kind of reconciliation between such opposites? 
we've already noted how hard reconciliation can be between groups that are similar. Remember the Hutu and the Tutsi from Rwanda? Or, or think of the North and South after the Civil War. It takes years. Often a generation or more has to pass away. And that kind of peace that comes then isn't really reconciliation. It's more of a forgetfulness that restores relationships. But, but how can we who were such enemies against God ever be reconciled to God who does not forget, who does not pass on. And our own attempts to make peace with God, they never come close to any kind of reconciliation. In fact, looking at our own attempts just alienates us even farther from God because they blind us to what God has done. Now what is it that our God has done for us for you, dear friends. Paul tells us, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. What you and I could not accomplish, Christ, our God, accomplished for us. He reconciled you in the body of his flesh through his death. Yes, you who were once so alienated from God, so far from him, you who were once his enemy, hostile in your mind and actions against him, it is you who are the ones whom he has reconciled. But what a price, what a cost that reconciliation came at. For you see, reconciliation can only come when justice is satisfied. That's what makes the Rwanda situation, for example, so difficult. Because how can any penalty the court meets out, whether it's, it's life in prison or even the death penalty, how can that really satisfy justice? It, it, it does not bring the dead back. It does not restore what's been destroyed. It, it may be all the best that we can do in this sinful world, but in this world... There is never full justice or complete reconciliation. It always falls short. What great good news that the price that Jesus paid never falls short. For he has fully satisfied justice. He has worked real reconciliation. And he has done it by giving the body of his flesh, his, his flesh and blood into death on the cross for you and for me. The innocent one willingly sacrificed himself for the guilty. The God-man was punished in the place of sinful humanity. The righteous one became our sin to credit us with his right record. That, dear friends, is how Jesus satisfied justice. He was found guilty of our sin, and he suffered the rightful punishment of death in our place. And because of that, therefore, we are reconciled. He has satisfied justice and brought to us that real reconciliation. For when he died on that cross, 
He brought to you and me his right record. So that through his death he now presents you and me holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. Think of what that means. With Jesus' right record, we will stand before God not as aliens and enemies as we once were. We will stand there not stained with the filth of our guilt. Rather, we stand there reconciled. We stand there clothed with Jesus. And since Jesus is holy, so also are, are we through faith in him. Since Jesus is without blemish or defect, so also are we through faith in him. And since Jesus is free of accusation, so also are we through faith in him. Not even Satan or your conscience can accuse you before God any longer, for your faith points to Jesus and says, He gave his body into death on the cross for me. His death pays for my sins. I am reconciled. And so the Father welcomes you as his own dear child, reconciled as if you had never sinned, not even once. For in God's sight, you are holy, without blemish, free from accusation. For when God looks at you, whose faith is in Jesus, he sees Jesus, his own dear son. What reconciliation this is. Christ reconciled you to present you as holy. That is the theme for you to take to heart here this morning. Christ reconciled you to present you as holy. We certainly do not want to lose out on this great good news, do we? And that is why Paul continues here to remind us how vital it is for us to keep our faith firmly established on the foundation of the gospel. We don't want to return to being aliens and enemies of God. How vital it is for us to stand firm on the gospel, on that good news of what Jesus has done to save us from sin and death. Listen again to what Paul writes here. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. In great hope, our faith looks forward and eagerly anticipates standing before God in his courtroom. For your faith knows that Jesus gave his body into death for you. Your faith knows that Jesus' body rose from the dead so that he himself can and will present you as holy before the Father. For your faith trusts that God has already judged you based on Jesus' right record. 
And since his record is holy, without blemish, and free from accusation, so also is yours. This, dear friends, is the great hope that the gospel has brought to our hearts. That is the great hope on which our faith is built. Don't lose out on it by running after other kinds of gospels that are really no gospel at all. Don't neglect the one true gospel. Rather cherish it. Stand firm on it, even as Jesus taught Mary to, or taught Martha to, to cherish that one thing needful. As you heard in Luke 10 today, stand firm on the gospel. How vital it is for us to stand firm. But how do you know what the gospel is? Well, Paul explains that. He says, this is the gospel that you heard. You know the gospel because faithful, your faithful parents and, and faithful pastors have, have taught it to you. <coughs> and you have experienced the joy of the peace and the reconciliation that this gospel has brought to your heart. Stand firm on it. But, but how do you know that? You weren't deceived by your parents or your pastors and, and taught some other kind of message. Well, Paul continues and says, this is the gospel that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. It was not just your parents or some pastor in Hancock here at St. John's that was teaching this message. No, this is the message that, that Jesus has sent out into all the world. This is the message that throughout history and throughout throughout the world, has been proclaimed to all creation. The message of the gospel of Jesus, our reconciler. Stand firm on it, dear friends. But finally, how do you know that of all those messages that float around in our world, that this gospel is the one true gospel? Paul concludes by saying, this is the gospel of which I, Paul, have become a servant. How do you know the truth? Compare what you have learned and believe with what stands written in the Holy Scriptures. For you see, the Apostle Paul still serves the gospel today through the words the Holy Spirit led him to write. For through Paul and the other apostles and prophets, we have the very word of God the scriptures, and through that word the Holy Spirit has taught you the gospel and brought you to faith, faith that confesses Jesus has reconciled me and will present me holy before God. How vital it is that we stand firm on the gospel. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.